Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Insider Matthew Collar here along with Will Raggetts of Sports Illustrated. I guess this is the Will Raggetts show, though we don't have a roundtable, but we will have roundtables. It's just early. Like, we don't want to bring on all of our best beat friend guests on the first day when basically nothing really happened today. We've got to wait for that, Will. Yeah, uh, there will be more eventful days, but it was good to just be back out there. I mean, uh, it wasn't too hot. There was a nice cloud cover, a nice breeze. We got to watch some football. Um, there there will be days. The pads are going to come on pretty soon. We're going to be at U.S. Bank Stadium on Friday, which should be pretty interesting. But today was just about getting back into the uh, swing of things and remembering remembering how we do what we do, take notes, watch football, tweet things. You know, a really hard uh, job we have. So uh, we, were, we were out here doing it, and uh, let's talk about it. Yeah, I took a picture of football on a stick, which uh, was being used. Like, that did not go with the Mike Zimmer era. They still have football on a stick. They were wearing crazy things on their helmets that are supposed to be meant to reduce the bumping of the helmets into each other, which is fine, but they kind of look strange and i i don't think that any of the players really enjoy the look but maybe they enjoy the safety and as far as that goes that's about the only thing that was different from a regular football practice like no on day one we couldn't pick up on all the nuances that are different of a new era with kevin o'connell but i do want to talk about some of the lineup stuff because we've speculated on what the lineup looks like but we have an answer for a couple of depth chart things for at least where they start and i want to begin with jordan hicks who missed practice today uh, alongside of eric hendricks and it was troy die who was filling in next to kendricks and it's not serious. It's like a, in, a non-COVID know, yeah, illness. Non, non, I was trying to remember like what the yeah. exact phraseology was, but yeah, non-COVID illness for Jordan Hicks. So it's not a big deal, but or at least we don't think so at the moment. It was a tweak once for Daniil Hunter, but <laughs> that doesn't matter. The linebacker room is interesting though, beyond Eric Hendricks and Jordan Hicks, because Troy Dye is the most experienced, but has at no point really shown anything. Brian Asamoah mixed in on some dime package stuff, but not with the first team. And Chaz Surratt was out there because Chaz Surratt is a guy who exists. So I, I guess we should have expected Troy Dye to be that person. I thought maybe Blake Lynch, but that's where we begin with that depth chart. Yeah, the Vikings have kind of just poured like a one middle round pick into linebacker for as long as I can remember, at least the last few years. In, uh, in 2020, it was Troy Dye who at one point in his Oregon career was talked about as maybe a possible first-round pick, and he was really productive early in his career. And then uh, he got to Minnesota and hasn't exactly done very much. And then the year after it was Chaz Surratt, who was kind of a head-scratcher of a pick at the time. Like I remember 
when that pick was coming up, it was like 78th overall. They had so many third-round picks in 2021. And I was like, oh, maybe it'll be a, a receiver or maybe it'll be this or that or another corner. And then they took a linebacker out of nowhere. And a linebacker that I – who like it's my job to study the draft prospects every year from January until April. I had never heard of Chaz Surratt, I don't think. Um, and he was like a former quarterback converted to linebacker, really athletic. But, yeah, we haven't seen anything from, anything from him. And then this year it was Brian Asamoah. Um, new regime still taking those those second or third round shots at linebacker but definitely interesting like I thought I would have thought that it would have been Blake Lynch like you said because when they have actually needed another linebacker to play in the games on the field over the past couple years it's been Blake Lynch and he's played pretty well like he's made some splash plays in the run game he hasn't really looked completely out of position in the pass game he hasn't been Eric Hendricks obviously but I thought I feel like he's been the best of that second tier uh, Anthony Barr obviously isn't here anymore, but yeah, interesting that it was that Troy Dye got the, got those reps. There's nothing that I can really report about what Troy Dye did today um, because he was just kind of out there and they weren't wearing pads and they're going through the motions. And it's I love watching the the practices because every every single run or play or catch or whatever the player just like takes it to the house, yes, and then yes. everyone on defense is like, I'm gonna be near you and maybe like punch at the football like a little a little jab, but. Um, it's hard to tell like when actual tackles would have been made uh, if they were actually playing football. But, um, yeah, Troy Dye didn't do anything terrible. He didn't do anything super impressive either. But definitely an interesting note that it was him and not Blake Lynch and not Chaz Surratt um, in there with Jordan Hicks missing the day out of what the Vikings called like an abundance of caution with his illness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I wish we would have left abundance of caution. Wait, or was that exactly what they That's used? not what they that, said. What they was said the exact like, terminology? They said for precautionary Precautionary, reasons. yes. Abundance of precautions uh, was why Jordan Hicks wasn't here, but no indication that there's any problems there. As far as we could just go through the different things, mm-hmm. you know, roster-wise for who was out there. Cornerbacks, who you expected, Cam Dantzler, Patrick Peterson, no surprises there. Andrew Booth working with the second team. Shannon Sullivan is your nickel corner as he was signed to be and has been a starter for the last two years for Green Bay. But I think I expected to walk out onto the field and see Lewis seen with the first team. And from all the reps that I saw, I don't remember seeing seeing Lewis seen. We're going to have to work on that. Yeah. Uh, out there at all with the first team. I think it was exclusively Cam Bynum. Your take? I don't really have much of a reaction to that yet uh, because that was the case all throughout the spring uh, with Bynum getting those reps. Mike Zimmer is not here, but Mike Zimmer is not the only coach in the NFL <laughs> who is going to make rookies earn their place. I know that was a big talking point under Zimmer. That I feel they, like we tried for years to tell people that, though. Yeah. Like, like, this is not unique. Well, but it, 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 there was probably a shred of truth to it that Zimmer was a little harder than others and would make you earn it more. I mean, there's no better example than Justin Jefferson not starting until the third game of his rookie season. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be true whoever the coach is. Kevin O'Connell is going to make rookies earn it. There's there's no rookies uh, working with the first team right now. Lewis Seen is with the twos. He came close to making a couple plays, uh, didn't quite do it. But, I mean, that doesn't mean anything, just something I'll, I'll point out. Exactly. Bust. Yeah. <laughs> they blew the draft pick. Uh, Thanks, Quasey. Booth, uh, the, the second pick, was he's behind Cam Dantzler right now. That is going to be, I think, the, the maybe the single best training camp battle to watch I mean if you're a fan of of right guards as a lot of us are that's your preference I'm really excited to watch Booth against Dancer I mean Booth made the biggest play 
of the day for what it's worth by undercutting a Kirk Cousins throw and, and making an interception and getting up and running. I don't know if he was down or not, but like I said, they run everything out and, and the defense got, got super excited and, was, and celebrated with him. He just looks really fluid to me. Um, he, he looks like he closes on the ball really well, has good hips, is, is smooth with his movements, and he's healthy now, which is the big thing. I mean, he played through a lot of stuff at Clemson. He had hernia surgery this offseason. If he can stay healthy, I, I, th- I think he's a first-round talent. He, the Vikings just happened to get him at 42 because of all the injury stuff. But, man, Cam Dantzler is, is a good player. He's been a little inconsistent. He's in his third year, but if Booth plays really well, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. I I always hesitate with the he was supposed to be a first-round pick thing, but I will make an exception for this. For someone who was so injured in college that he had multiple surgeries and everything else and wasn't able to participate in And in his own words, hasn't been fully healthy since high school. Right, right. Like, that's not what you want to hear, but I will actually believe that when it comes to... uh, Plus, I heard other people in the league say that that was actually the case, that teams loved his tape but were not willing to take the first round pick on him because the first round pick is such a massive investment Mm -hmm. that if someone has that injury history, it's going to make you hesitant unless they are a superstar caliber player, which I I don't think he is that level prospect, but you can certainly see with the man's instincts, there's something else there. And I think like he's a high intelligence player with great footwork and all those things that has a chance to emerge quickly. And this is where Cam Dantzler last year, I think anybody who says Zimmer should have pulled the plug on Breland earlier is totally right. But also Breland earned that spot or I'm sorry, Dantzler earned that spot of being behind Bashad Breland. Yeah. And if he does the same thing and doesn't have a good camp or preseason, like Andrew Booth could come get that from him. Um, so I, th- I think that's like one to watch right away is how that develops. And it seems like there's no real competition for Sullivan. We know that Peterson is pretty much locked in. The only thing I noticed on the defensive line was just that Harrison Phillips and Armand Watts were kind of mixing in and out. And I think that's entirely going to be situational that those three guys are going to rotate because none of them play like 700, 800 snaps. They're all like five to 600 snap type of guys, maybe a little bit more with Tomlinson. Um, but I think that's sort of your three man rotation. I wasn't really surprised to see that. Yeah. Th- I mean, defensive tackles, you want to keep them fresh and rotate them in and out. Uh, Phillips and Tomlinson, I think will be at their best on, on early downs, stuffing the run. They're both capable of, of drawing double teams and, maybe giving you a little bit of interior penetration in the pass rush, but Armand Watts is the guy in that room right now who is kind of the pass rush guy. And maybe maybe Jalen Twyman, uh, if he makes the team emerge, that would be a really cool story after everything he went through last year. But it, it's Watts as the kind of interior pass rush guy, unless they sign Adamakin Sue, which is probably unlikely, but is still technically possible i suppose um that's watt's job for now i I didn't notice too much else defensively it's kind of what you expect i mean zadarius smith and daniel hunter are going to be the edge rushers on basically every play while they're healthy i mean they'll probably rotate a little bit because you want to keep those guys healthy but uh just they they are so far above everybody else edge rusher wise talent like you you want you're gonna to want to have them on the field every single play because of how good they are and because of how steep the drop off is to the uh, DJ Wanams and Patrick Jones of the world. Right, and it was kind of as expected. I think Zach McLeod worked in which number fifty nine. Zach McLeod, 
everyone. I guess uh, we'll figure out if we need to know more about Zach McLeod as we go along. But I did notice that when they rotated in second team, that he was one of the guys that out there. Uh, so I at least put that in my little notes as we do. Now on the offensive side, Jesse Davis season, everyone. Uh, we thought that immediately it would be a rotation. There was no rotation. So as of today, and only as of today, and this is totally up to change as we go along, it looks like Jesse Davis is the guy, like that they signed him to be their right guard, and someone else is going to have to unseat him. But there was no rotation. It was he was number one, and Chris Reed was very clearly number two. I don't think I saw a single rep that was different than that. I think the offensive line was set. Yeah, they had Davis taking all of the uh, reps with the first team at right guard, which is the the competition to watch, the the one spot that's open. There's never going to be any other reps um, at any of the other four spots with the ones unless somebody gets hurt. Uh, it, it makes sense. Like I, I've kind of thought for a while that Davis is the presumed favorite just because he has the highest like salary this year. So that kind of means something. If if he doesn't play that well in camp, it won't mean that much. But just for now, like he was signed for more than Chris Reed was signed for, and Ed Ingram is a rookie. So it makes sense that Davis is the presumed starter right now. It might not be the most inspiring choice with some of the like PFF numbers and, and things that he's had during his time in Miami, but I will say that a lot of the, the criticism he got from Dolphins fans was because he was playing out of position. Like He's not a tackle. I think we've I think that's that much is pretty clear. So yeah, he's had some success playing at guard before. We'll see if that changes. With, with the second team, I believe it was Ed Ingram at right guard, and they had Chris Reed playing left guard. Um, so I, we'll see how that all shakes out. Austin Schlotman, the the backup center, uh, Reed I think could possibly factor in at center as well. But yeah, Davis seems to be uh, be the guy at right guard for now. Right, and I didn't expect that. I thought it would be the same rotation, and maybe there it was, was a something... rotation in the spring, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. No, it was. It most certainly was, and maybe there was something that they liked more about Jesse Davis, or maybe it's just today, and we'll record a podcast tomorrow and talk about how it's totally different, um, because I know with Zimmer's regime, when guys were kind of in a spot, they were in a spot, and you could pretty easily read it, and they didn't do too much fiddling around. It was like, this is where you are. And then if you unseated someone, then all of a sudden someone would be getting first team reps with the wide receivers. A lot of guys mixing in um, Smith, Marset, BC Johnson, Albert Wilson. Have you ever talked in your life about Albert Wilson before? Um, I have not. I don't think we've like, talked like not about to him. friends or family or I, I mean, I think I wrote about him very briefly oh, when count. they signed him. No, I don't think I've ever, said the words Albert Wilson out loud. He's very noticeably short is is the one thing that jumps out to you first. He's like 5'9", but he's really quick. I mean, you have to be to be to be in your like seventh year in the NFL at 5'9". So, um he's a guy to I guess keep an eye on in that mix for the for the fourth spot at the very least. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is like do you want to talk about Albert Wilson for a minute because I did notice that he was taking some slot reps. He is a pretty much a pure slot guy, although I looked at his career usage and there were times where he was an outside receiver. And when you look at his numbers for his career, he's always a guy that's just kind of like in the mix where he's someone's third or fourth wide receiver. He had a really good year in 2017 in KC, decent start to a year in 2018, got hurt. Um, that's kind of Albert Wilson for you. The last two years, he's been an extreme underneath threat, but that was only with uh, Tua, and they weren't pushing the ball down the field. So I, I guess I have become so cynical 
to the veteran wide receiver that just shows up here that I immediately dismissed it as not a thing. But I have to remember, it is not the old regime, and maybe they signed him for a reason other than to be the Tajay Sharp who gets two targets in a year. <laughs> yeah, the Tajay Sharp and Jordan Taylor and Kendall, Kendell Wright. Wright. That's, yeah, that's everyone knows one. the names, yep. Yeah, no, I think that there's there's kind of a like pick-your-flavor um, situation with the, the people in the mix for that fourth receiver spot. I don't think... Anybody is going to really push KJ Osborne for the number three. I think he's he's proven with what he did last year that he deserves uh, to be that guy. He's got the, kind of the all around game. Wilson is like the short, shifty slot guy who maybe could be interesting as like a gadget player. Like mm-hmm. we know that this offense wants to use a lot of motion. Like you can put him in motion and like hand it, hand the ball off to him. He weirdly enough, like if you scroll down his Pro Football Reference page, like has some rushing stats. I think he has a rushing touchdown. He has a passing touchdown in his career. Um, so maybe he could be a little bit of a gadget guy, just quick underneath option. Uh, Amir Smith-Marset, I think, would be the guy if you want to like have somebody in there to run more deep developing stuff. Yep. Just because he has the speed, um, he has the like the hands and the, the ability to track the ball down the field. We saw a little bit of that um, late last season, last training camp, and then also uh, when he was at Iowa. And then BC Johnson is like, still there kind of forgotten guy he, he made some plays in 2020 i think he was hurt last year right um who bc johnson bc johnson yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 AC, yep. acl, ACL last yep. year so he's still there he's kind of more of an all-around just possession guy a little bit bigger obviously than albert wilson and a little a little sturdier than amir smith marset as well so uh they have some they have some depth there i mean it's it's a wide receiver room that is absolutely loaded at the top with Made one of the best receivers in the league, and then Adam Thielen, who's still a really, really good red zone weapon, KJ Osborne. But it's got depth too. I think um, people may not realize that. And there's there's some other deep, deep sleepers down the line as well. But it's sort of like finger quote depth. Like every one of them is uh, is theoretical, possible, yeah. but also like not inspiring. And that goes for your BC Johnsons or Albert Wilsons, where they've been in the league, they know how to play football. But are they needle movers past what you could have gotten with someone else? That's what we're going to be asking as this goes along. How many receivers at this moment, after we've watched one practice that was unpadded, do you think they keep? Because I was doing a 53, and it's always a struggle. Yeah, It's like, wait, so you got Wilson, you got BC, you got Smith-Marset. The guy we haven't talked about is is Jalen Naylor. Right, 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 um, Jalen Naylor. Rookie who I could be the punt returner maybe. Um, so that's where I, I, I've I've had six I think on my projections with with Naylor being in over BC just because mm. I don't know what BC Johnson like does that well that like warrants keeping him yeah you know yeah. What I mean I, I mean it always to me sort of comes back to like I'm gonna take the guy that this regime hand selected sure. And in this case, that's Jalen Naylor in the sixth yep. round and Albert Wilson as a free agent. So that's why I, I lean towards having those two guys. And then Amir Smith-Marset, I just think the upside compared to B.C. Johnson uh, is a lot higher with his athletic skill set. So those those are my six. They could keep seven. They could keep five. This doesn't even talk about um, the legend Dan Chisina, yeah, who's right. been on the act. Yes. People might not remember. He's made the initial 53 in two straight seasons, yep. literally just to be a gunner. And in 2020, as a rookie, he wasn't even that good at it. Last year, I think he got a little bit better, and he's absurdly fast. But at some point, I, I just the, I couldn't justify while doing the projections to like keep a guy who just does one thing, right? And maybe they'll do it again, but I, I I'm skeptical. 
Folks, training camp is here and there's no better way to represent your purple fandom by going to SodaStick.com and checking out all their Minnesota sports-inspired goods. The best football designs, in my opinion, are Randy Moss's disgusting act and the purple people eaters look. But look, there's lots more for you to check out at SodaStick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, t-shirts, hoodies, Hats, whatever you're looking for, use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER at checkout for 15% off your purchase. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne. Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. They did have him running some routes today and last year, and I think he got in a game at receiver or two. Maybe Detroit when they had some injuries there with uh, Adam Thielen no going way down. No he has a career target, uh, I don't think he has a career target, but I know he has some routes. Okay. There, there's got to be stat. This is how much the analytics game has gone up, is that we can look up how many uh, routes Dan Chisna may have run last year in actual games. Let's see. Uh, this is the most compelling podcast content that you have ever heard, by the <laughs> Are way. Are you on PFF? Yeah, I'm, I'm Elite pull- premium yeah, I'm stats trying to right pull now. it up right now. So he had, yes, nine plays. That were passing last year. Okay. Three out of the slot had zero targets. Uh, Throw him the ball, Kirk. Right. I know. What are you doing? Right. Come on, Kirk. Um, So anyway, there's that. But if he shows some development as a receiver, then maybe there's an argument of a depth receiver slash fantastic punt gunner. Mm -hmm. And now we're getting like so far away from what I want to be talking about. (laughs) But um, I had them with five plus Dan Tracina, but I had him just as a special teamer yeah. specialist, and I'm not even really sure about that because I think that they have like three guys who you could argue or four who are only special teamers, like Josh Metellus. He's sort of depth, sort of special teams. I thought Chaz Surratt on special teams was pretty decent yeah. last year, but is not a player you're going to have playing at linebacker, and I don't think you want to keep all of these guys um, at, at the same time. So let's move on from that conversation, though, because there's, you know, it's just Dan Tracina. Yeah. Uh, but shout out to him, though, a guy who had like no catches at Penn State and then made an NFL team two straight years. So I talked with Kellen Mond after practice, and he told me that last year when he got COVID, that he lost weight because it was 
bad for him. He was very sick. And that when he returned, he never got back to weight. Because I think, you know, we've heard this before. It's really hard to put on weight or get in shape once you've gotten to camp. You have to do it beforehand. And he said that he was thrown off by that and tried to do some overcompensating with his throwing motion, which caused problems. And he spent the offseason trying to undo that. Do you buy into Kellen Mond looking better, feeling better under Kevin O'Connell and winning QB2? Because today they were splitting. And as I expect them to do pretty much the whole training camp is splitting the QB2 reps between him and Sean Mannion. Yeah, I'm on board with that. And I think I'd probably be on board with that even without the whole story about him like being up 10 pounds or whatever from last year. And I just, like, Sean Mannion, you watch him drop back and throw the football in drills or in live 7-on-7 or 11-on-11 reps, and there's just not much there. And that's not to say that there's a lot more there with Kellen Mond right now, but if he progresses from last year and is more comfortable with this new coaching staff, which I think he's talked about in the spring, um, they have the assistant quarterbacks coach, Gerard Johnson, who's a former A&M quarterback who's like working really closely with Kellen Mond. Uh, I just think like the tools that made him a good quarterback in the SEC for four years should on paper be enough to be the Vikings backup quarterback. Like he's athletic. He has a big arm. It, It comes down to a lot of like mechanics, timing, accuracy. If he can fix that up, and, and maybe if that was affected by um, the COVID stuff last year and, and the issues he had with that, and maybe some, maybe some stuff on the mental side too with, with Mike Zimmer. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, that's what I've got in my predictions right now. I don't think, like, unless he's just so not ready still, like, you would, I'm sure the Vikings coaching staff and, and Kwesi at Alfamensa would love for Kellen Mond to get to the point where. Sean Mannion is expendable like you don't have you don't want to have to use a roster spot on three quarterbacks when you can use that roster spot on another receiver or on another lineman or or whatever the case may be I think I would be willing to be patient with it because um why not like I mean we all want to call our shot on players and things like that and look it was not good last year in training camp not even close to good The preseason games weren't good, and the whole thing was pretty much from the start a mess with the COVID and then the close contact, and so he's in the doghouse with Zimmer but not playing well either. Uh, I would be willing to say that the biggest jump for players generally in their careers is from year one to year two because they can go back and get feedback from the coaches and have an entire offseason where they don't have to go to the combine and they don't have to do the pro days and they don't have to learn how to be an NFL player just from day one. I still think that there are shortcomings that won't allow Kellen Mond to be a starting quarterback, but you are like, if you're the team, you have to be rooting for the younger player yeah. to emerge to be somebody who could be on a rookie contract for the next two years as a backup quarterback. And then you can decide like what their future is going to be. But if he has as rough of a time this year as he did last year, then, I mean, there's really almost no reason to keep him. Then you have to look at who else is cut being cut. Mm-hmm. And if there's somebody else you could bring in as a backup who will be an upgrade over Mannion or just leave it at Mannion and know that you are completely in trouble if Kirk Cousins has to miss a single game. I think with the backup quarterback, see, I've, I've always said, like, oh, you're screwed if Kirk goes down, so there's no reason to talk about it. I'll give one reason to talk about it is if Kirk were to miss four games, you need someone who can win two. 
Yeah. At this moment, they do not have anyone who can win two. What you want to leave this training camp thinking is that you have a gentleman who could step in and win two football games out of four. And as we've seen before, like these backups, they save seasons. I mean, <laughs> Cooper Rush, Matt Moore, like these guys played big roles in their teams, winning divisions and playoffs. Beating the seeding, Vikings. Right, beating the yeah. Vikings. That's what I mean is these backups, if they're good enough, Nick Foles being the ultimate example, but Case Keenum, another ultimate example. But even if you're not that level of shockingly great for a very short period of time, just be this mediocre backup, a Matt Castle who could come in and win a game if you play really well or against a bad opponent. Right now, if you played the Detroit Lions or whoever we think is the worst team now, Chicago, I'm not really convinced either one of these guys can beat them. Maybe Sean Mannion, maybe. Um, but I think if Kellen Mond starts to prove it, then it will be one of the better stories of training camp. I also wanted to ask your opinion on uh, the running back situation too, because it seems like Alexander Madison still RB2. Kenny Wong will get in some work out there though. And I just really want to see how this develops because all off season, I've been thinking to myself, like, Kenny needs to be on the field. And even just today, we saw him take off once. It's like, yep, that is that man is extremely fast. So I wonder what you think the new coaching staff, just based on your one practice of information, will be kind of how they're going to use them, split them up, and whether Kenny actually has a chance to be RB2. Yeah, I don't know if he has a chance to be to be RB2 because I don't know that the like all-around skill set is there, or I, I don't know if it'll ever be there. Um, he's really flashy with the speed and, uh, he just, he bursts through the line of scrimmage and he can catch passes, but Alexander Madison, you need, like, if you're going to be the guy who has to come in when Dalvin Cook misses a game, like you need a little bit of that physicality as well. And I don't, and I, and the vision and things like that, and just experience running the football that Kenny Wongu doesn't really have. With that said, I would like to see him. And this has been the case since last year. I would like to see him get on the field in some sort of fashion, like, Alexander Madison is a is a somewhat similar player to Dalvin Cook. Like he's like Dalvin Cook light or like a poor man's Dalvin Cook with lacking a lot of the the vision and like the elite explosiveness that makes Dalvin Cook a star. But just from like a build and like play style perspective, they they are somewhat similar. Kenny Wangu is not similar. So that gives you the opportunity if you're going to put him on the field to actually change things up and throw a different look at, at a defense and um, give them something that they aren't seeing on every other play and have a receiving option out there. So I don't know based off one practice, and, and we haven't really asked the, the coaching staff that much about this. I don't know if that's in their plans, but in my mind it should be. And, I mean, it's interesting, too, that they drafted Ty Chandler as well, who's like – more of a Wangwu type of player. I don't know if he's even like on the roster this year. I assume he will be probably because they draft him in the fifth round. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out at running back. If if Dalvin Cook's workload is pulled back a little bit now that he's 27 and they want to maybe accomplish the impossible and have him play 16 or 17 games this year. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. Ed, the, Madison's role as well. I mean, it's, this is his last year. It's a contract year. Like, is he going to get an opportunity to play a lot if Dalvin Cook is healthy? We'll we'll find out soon, I guess. So I know I'm changing subjects uh, rapidly here. Rapid fire, Will. Um, Justin Jefferson talked today. I thought it was very interesting that Justin Jefferson was muted on his uh, enthusiasm and not like he 
isn't enthusiastic, but he's done some interviews this year where he's been a little bit hyperbolic about the Cooper Cup thing, the offense, trying to be the best wide receiver in the league. And I mean, I kind of wonder if it was whispered to him like, hey, buddy, like, let's just let's just cool off and let's just play some games first and, and do all that sort of thing and not be like, you know, hyping it up all the time. I do wonder if that was the case. But he said that after this year, he wants to be considered the best receiver in the league. OK, that's great. I mean, he's going to have a good chance at it and that he wants to win and that money is not that important to him. Uh, as far as the contract, although he, he kind of, I, I don't want to say misspoke, but he said he wasn't fond of money, which is like a weird way to put it. Cause I think all of us are fond of money. I think he's, um, I think he's probably fond of money to some, to some degree. I, yeah, I would say so. I think what he meant is just, uh, that money isn't the most important thing to him. Yeah. And I believe him when it comes to winning like that, he got the only time he sort of fired up was when he was asked about the fact that the team hasn't been over 500 since he got here. And he just said, I hate losing like yeah. really emphatically. And uh, we've seen that from him, that motivation and drive from him that I think that's true. Uh, but I guess I just wondered about your thought of him kind of coming in with a little, a little less flair than maybe we expected and more of kind of a, a, a quiet attitude toward actually entering camp. Yeah, I thought it was kind of a normal Justin Jefferson press conference. He said some some grandiose things in the past, and but he, I mean, even today, he he did say a few times like, "I want to be the best receiver in the league," and he has a he has a good chance to do that if he just has another season like he's had uh, the first two years, and he knows that. Um, but he also thinks that like, or he, he said that the best is yet to come, and he can and he can get even better and. That might be true with this offense, like if they find different ways to use him and just like make sure that every single game, regardless of what the defense is doing, he has eight to ten targets because there were stretches last year and there were definitely stretches in his rookie year where that didn't happen. So, yeah, I mean, if anyone saw the quote of uh, Jefferson saying, I'm not fond of money and was like, oh, the Vikings love to hear that. That's not going to that. <laughs> no, no, that no. will not mean a thing in yeah. the contract negotiations when he is going to get like millions and hundreds of millions of dollars. So, um, but it, it was a it was a funny little note for sure. What do you think about just the general pressure on him, though? That I I mean, some of it is brought on himself by talking this offseason in interviews uh, loosely about the idea of him putting up Cooper Cup numbers. And then when it was brought up today, it was like, well, you know, I'm just trying to help us win. But yeah, man, for the whole offseason, though, you've been talking about this like this is what you want. I don't know that he's a guy that really feels pressure because he played at LSU and was a champion and then he came into the league and his first start, he goes off and it's sort of been off and running then, but it starts to creep in though. When the money is there, you could say you're not fond of money. You could say you only care about winning, but all of us would think about not only how much I could get paid if I could be the top paid wide receiver, but also that reputation part where, you know, you're right on the cusp of being talked about with Cooper cup and Devonte Adams and the best wide receivers in the league. And then taking on an offense that created this monster receiver in Cooper cup or helped create him. I think that there's a ton of pressure on Justin Jefferson. We just assume he'll handle it. I think he will. I would bet a lot on that if he's healthy, of course, that he continues to be him. But it's also in players' careers, there are reasons sometimes why guys have uh, you know, peaks and valleys or ups and downs or things like that that mm -hmm. are beyond health. And one of them is 
pressure and situation, you know, and the changing offense and things like that. I think that we all are of the assumption that it's just going to continue and, and be perfect. But, and I, I'm not trying to rain on any parades. I just had this thought today of like, this guy is actually under a ton of pressure. I think this year, because it, he's also part of the group trying to put it on Mike Zimmer and yeah. be better than they were offensively, but also for his own personal you know, perspective, there's just a lot that's going on him this year, especially not getting another wide receiver in the draft or something like this. It's like, this is your show, man. Yeah, I wonder, like, he hasn't really faced any individual adversity, like, in the league. He's just kind of torn it up since he entered the league, and uh, there's been uh, some times where, like, he hasn't gotten the ball quite as much as he might like, and there was the whole, like, thing against, I think it was against, like, the Panthers, where he was yelling at Kirk, like, throw the, throw the dang ball, uh, and, and things like Is that. Is that how but, he was yelling it? Yeah. Throw not, the dang ball. No, it was a little lower than that, and there were other yeah. words used, I think, but, um, like... The, the, I wonder how much pressure he feels on the on a team level because this is a guy who went I think thirty four and seven at LSU, and now he shows up and the Vikings have not been five hundred like you said since he got here like literally not even one and zero or three and two or whatever they have they haven't been above five hundred since twenty nineteen and like that's not his fault he he has done everything they could have possibly asked the twenty twenty defense was horrid. Uh, there were just weird things last year where they blew it at the end of halves and end of games. and um, But, like, I wonder how much pressure he feels. Like, is it is it my fault that, like, is it a Ewing effect? Like, we we haven't been um, we haven't been that good as a team since I've been here. We're 15 and 18. And, um, like, can I do more? And, and are there other things I should be doing? And, like, could that lead to frustration if he's going to get a ton of defensive attention if there's games where he's not producing the hundred plus yards, because the bar is set so so high for him, like anything where if he has like seven catches for seventy five yards, like that's a quiet game for right, him. Right, right. So I wonder if he feel if he's gonna feel at some point, especially if the wins aren't there early in the season, like I I need to do more and I you need to get me the ball and if that if that could lead to any any just kind of contention because he is. Set the bar so extremely high that if he doesn't continue to, like, produce at an elite, elite level, like, it, I don't know, doubts could creep in or, or there could be, we'll see how he handles if it happens, like, a down stretch or just not, like, not continuing to be Justin Jefferson. That could get into his head. So, I don't know, this is all, like, unlikely, I think, because he just seems like a truly special, like, almost generational level player. And I, I don't have any real doubts about his ability to keep producing at that level, especially with Kirk Cousins, who is not an elite quarterback, but has proven to be a quarterback who can get Justin Jefferson the ball, is accurate downfield, and he's got the offensive-minded head coach now. But, yeah, I mean, it's an, it's an interesting point you bring up. Like, what happens if Justin Jefferson falls off ever so slightly? Could that kind of spiral? I don't know. Or if just defenses play him in a way where it forces the ball to other places because Matt Stafford will throw the ball to a wide receiver no matter what. I mean, it even shows up in the data that Matt Stafford does not care and will throw it to Cooper Cup even if he's not open. That is not the case with Kirk Cousins. And this was the one area. So I think when we talk about the pressure, it's not like, He's going to forget how to catch football. Like, no, that's not going to happen. But 
could it ramp up to the point where the relationship between him and cousins, where it's like, this was supposed to be my year. This is supposed to be where I get 130 catches and you're holding me back. And, and then I get the massive, massive contract extension after the year. Yeah. Right. Right. And then, right. Exactly. Like, and even though he's going to get that either way. Yeah. And I think that still like the quarterback future is unclear, but Jefferson will be here is how I'm seeing it right now. I still think that pressure creeps in of this is supposed to be my year. I'm supposed to drive this offense and win these games and you have to get me the football. And if it's not happening because coverages are a certain way and we just know this with cousins, it's like the digs thing or other receivers in the past where they're like, just throw it anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. even Zimmer, one thing you could say about Zimmer where he was right last year was like, just throw it anyway. And then Kirk came out and said, uh, no, I'm good. No, I'm going to not do what you say um, like that. That could be an area where there could be um, more pressure on Justin Jefferson, not to, not to scare everybody. It's just like one of those. I thought of it today of this guy has just put a lot on himself with how he's viewing a new offense and the situation for the future with his contract, because he is well aware of that regardless of what he says uh, about money and the Cooper cup role. Like, is not just, oh, hey, let me go out and have 1,900 receiving yards. Like, that involves a lot of blocking in the run game. Right. Yep. Like, that's something I think that's been overlooked a little bit. Like, you're going to be in, a, they're going to be in 11 personnel a lot, which means CJ Ham's not going to be on the field. Uh, you, you, the tight end might be on the other side. Like, and they might run at Justin Jefferson. He has to, like, lead the way and, and make a good block. Like, Cooper Cup is the best blocking rece- receiver in the NFL by a lot. That's a big part of why the Rams are so successful because when he's on the field, like he's not necessarily going to run around and get targeted. He can also just be an incredible blocker. So um, there's got to be a lot of that as well. Jefferson is very capable of that. Yeah. He did that actually at a really high level um, at LSU when he was playing in the slot. We haven't seen it that much because he's been an outside guy in the NFL, but um, yeah, just another point I thought of. Yeah, no, I mean, it is, it's just, it is different and adjusting to that is going to take some time and throughout camp, do we feel that pressure at all? Because with Diggs, and I don't think they're a similar personality. Um, Jefferson is much more chill than Stefan Diggs, but with Diggs, when you could tell something was starting to be off with him, uh, it really started in camp. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of, you know, blow ups with him in camp with other players and, you know, throwing of helmets and frustration. And when you got 14 straight days or whatever it is, 13 of 14 in the 90 degree heats with the pads on and everything else. Like we really start to see, is it thriving or are people starting to get like a little tense about getting to the season? And so, you know, we'll see as this goes along because I think that it could very well be awesome. And everybody is like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Um, Before we wrap up, Will, Mm -hmm. uh, I want to quiz you because this is our first day out there taking attendance. Mm. So, by the end of camp, you know everybody's number. Mm-hmm. But I want to see how good you are right now with knowing Vikings players' numbers off the top of your head. Okay. I'm okay. I'm confident in myself. Okay. Here. You're good at stuff like this. This is why you play. If I if it was gonna well now you have to live up to it. Just like That's true. Just like Jefferson with the pressure to catch the ball, you have to live up to this. It's the same thing. Uh okay. Who is number five on the Minnesota Vikings? Uh Ty Smith. Correct. Who is number nine? Uh, Tristan Jackson. That is correct. Wide receiver. Number 16. Ooh. 16. 16. It was, six. Lewis Seen was going to be 16. Joe Montana, baby. But Who is it? Six. Um, mm, 
uh, hint. Can I have a d- position or no offense or defense? I'm not giving might, any hints. Uh, that might be too easy. You 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 were sitting <sighs> here. Dang, very, I was talking a lot. Very confident. And then the first two were no. easy. Sixteen is not a receiver. I don't think. Um, it probably is a receiver though, isn't it? It is not. It is Jordan Berry. Oh, it's Jordan. Okay, I wasn't <laughs> thinking about punters. Yes, trick, See, trick right. question. You know what? That was that was good though. You, you got me down. Uh, so you're two for three. Uh, okay. Who is Harrison Hand? Wait. Oh, you mean what, what number is what Harrison Hand? What number is Harrison Hand? Yeah, sorry. Um, That's it, what is it, Jeopardy? Like, who is Harrison Hand? What number is Harrison Hand? We could do this both ways. Is he... Oh, man, that's another tough one. I think he changed his number. It's, it's different. Th- yep. He's not 31. He's right? not 31. Nope. He's not... Is he 20... Getting warmer. 26? He's number 20. Uh, number 20. Two for four. That's ha- that's harder, though, at the no, exact number. You're right. Uh, all right, let me scroll a little bit I here. think if you would have said 20, I would have got Harrison Hand, but not the other way around. I know that's a cop-out. Who is number 31? Um, oh, man, these are harder than I expected. Wow. Um, Just tanking. I know. What are you, rebuilding for next year's game? I'm, I am rebuilding. <laughs> I saw, okay, I saw number 31 today, too, and then I was like, I don't know who that is. Because uh, it's not Perry Nickerson because he's 35. <laughs> Channon Sullivan's 39. Um, uh, it's not Amir Abdullah, who was 31 for a long time. Uh, man, I don't know. This is Andre Mincy. Oh, who was what? A, yes, who is he's a, a defensive. He's an edge rusher. Yes, yes, yes. That's he, why I did not. Why is he not in the 90s? Oh, I guess because all the 90s are taken. An outside oh, linebacker, technically, who played for the Broncos briefly last year yeah. as an undrafted free agent. Who is num- uh, number 34? So what are you, like, okay. two for five now? I'm two for five. I, wow. I, I'm, I'm needing You're get, starting it off like a Vikings season. I need to get hot again. Okay, the 34 is rookie tight end Nick Muse. All right, good job, good job. Uh, who is uh, number 44? Josh Metellus. Yep, okay. That was trying to give you a little easier that's, there. That's a lob. I little, appreciate it. A little easier. Who is uh, number? Let's see. Scrolling, scrolling. Okay, so you're you're, you're feeling your oats here. Who's number sixty-one? Is is that Josh Sokol? That's a great guess. He's number sixty. You're oh, very he's close. Sixty. Um, uh, Vidarian Low. No, he's sixty-three. Uh, another great he's guess. 63. Yeah, you're close. Oh man. Um. Who else are like the third string? Oh, Timon Paris. You got it. Yes. Let's go. That's right. All right. Back to 500. As you're just I'm giving like, my, I'll give just myself like that one, team. even though it was my third try. No, you deserve it. If you get it on a couple of tries, you get it. All right. A uh, couple more. A couple more. Number 76. Oh, number 76 is. I don't even know if that's an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. It, I'll give you a hint. It's on the defensive side. The reason I couldn't give you a hint before with Jordan Berry yeah. is because if I said specialist, you'd know. You're right. You're right. Um, 76 defensive side. Uh, man, I see. I'm. Are you a Better Call Saul fan? I'm not. I, oh, I've okay. heard it's very good. I haven't watched Breaking Bad or Better Call oh, Saul. Well, you have to watch. I both. know I need to do. But this guy shares a last name with a character, so this is T. Y. McGill. T. Y. McGill. Gotcha. All right. We, last one here to be 500, which would just be absolutely perfect for this show. <laughs> Number 95. 
Okay, that's that's another easy one. That's Janaris Robinson. Uh, well, I the way you performed here, you beat the You're easy right. teams and you lost to the hard teams. That's Classic. A, that's true. That was a very Vikings performance by me. Overconfident and came up <laughs> came up a little short. All right, so if you're headed out to training camp, there's all your numbers that you're going to look for for T.Y. McGill and so forth. Uh, Will, thanks for your time. You'll be appearing regularly throughout training camp and beyond, so I appreciate that. And hopefully all of you flailed at home with those numbers as well. And uh, we'll talk soon, man. Yeah, thanks for having me.